I want you to imagine the following scenario. You wake up in the morning, and there's no dawn. At nine, eight, nine o'clock, so dark. You say maybe by noon things will change, but noontime is bleaker than midnight. And as the day begins to progress, there is fear, there is apprehension, there is wondering what's going on, and puzzlement, what happened to the sun, why the sun is not shining. And by evening time, most likely churches will be packed out with people praying and crying to God, because this is such an experience none of us have ever been through. And then after an all-night prayer meeting, the following morning, you walk outside, and there you see a few rays of the sun just beginning to peek through the clouds indicating that a new day has dawned. Try to imagine now your reaction after 24 hours of fear and trembling. Imagine the joy. Imagine the elation. I want you to try to imagine the thanksgiving and the gratitude. Imagine the praises that will be lifted up to the Lord for the sun and the sun shining again. But here's the question. The sun shines every day. Why don't we thank God for the sun every day? Why don't we thank God every morning that we woke up, that we're alive? Why don't we daily have a thankful and praising attitude about the creation, about God, and about the blessings, and about everything that He has placed in our hands? Why does it have to happen after a frightful experience? Ah, because sadly, we have to lose something before we value it. Sadly, we are just forgetful people. We just forget. And this is precisely why you find in the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it goes on, I don't know how many hundred times God says, remember, 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 because He knew that we are such a forgetful people. I know amnesia is a medical condition. Sometimes Hollywood kind of trivializes it in the movies, but in reality it is a serious condition that involves the loss of memory. And in these cases, the victim actually had forgotten his name or her name and their address and the date of birth. They have forgotten their relatives. And amnesia is a condition where those facts are actually blocked totally out of the memory bank of the individual. And the victim cannot remember significant events, cannot remember uh, times and milestones in their life. But I want to tell you, there is a spiritual amnesia, a spiritual amnesia that is far more common than the physical amnesia. And it happens when God's people forget God's past blessings as if they've never received them. It happens when a person allows his or her present troubles in life to blot out of their memories God's past blessings, God's past provisions, God's past faithfulness, and God's past interventions in their life, and God's past unmerited favor and grace. It's like the man who went to see the doctor. He said, Doc, can you help me? I can't remember a thing. 
And the doc said, uh, when did you become aware of the problem? And the man said, what problem? <laughs> That's us. The truth be said, most of us remember that which is important to us. We men particularly tend to remember the things that are important to us. And then we develop a sense of amnesia about things that are not important to us. In fact, um, I read about this man who was a baseball fanatic, and I'm sure you probably know a friend like that. You know what I mean by baseball fanatic? I mean, this guy got a phenomenal memory. He can rattle off scores. He can rattle off home runs. He can rattle off results for years that has passed. I mean, he has all the batting averages all in his head. One day, a new neighbor moved next door, and he began to really get impressed with this guy. I mean, he said, this is a phenomenal guy. I want to learn from him. And so he asked him, he said, do you ever forget your wedding anniversary? And the man said, never. Not in a million years. I was married on the day Bobby Thompson hit a home run (laughs) and won a, a pennant for the Giants. I'll never forget that day. Not much help. Well, God knew all of that. God knew our tendency to forget His goodness and His grace and His mercy. God knew that we have a tendency to forget His past blessings, that we have a tendency to take those past blessings for granted, and we think that they were due to us, that God owed them to us. God knew that we have a tendency to presume on the grace of God and on the goodness of God. God, that is why we have here in the last chapter of the book of Joshua the message loud and clear and repeated several times. God is saying it over and over and over again. Don't forget. Don't forget what I have done for you. Don't ignore my past goodness and generosity toward you. Don't take for granted the manifestations of my power in your life. Don't be ungrateful. Don't try to take credit for only that which I have done for you. And if you haven't turned to Joshua 24, let me encourage you. We have been going through a series of messages from the book of Joshua entitled, You Want Me to Do What? And here we come to the very end. And here, the last chapter, Joshua, not less than four times repeated over and over and over again saying, Don't forget! In fact, the very place where Joshua called the entire nation of Israel was not just any old place. It was not just uh, by accident. They couldn't find just a place where they can get everybody together. No, no, no. The Bible makes it very clear that the choice of the place was deliberate. If you look at verse 1 of Joshua 24, Then Joshua assembled all of the tribes of Israel in Shechem. You say, what's big about Shechem? (laughs) Very, very big deal about Shechem. You see, 600 years earlier, it was in Shechem that God made a promise to Abraham, and He said to him, to your descendants, I'm going to give you the land of promise. You say, 600 years? Yes. You see, you forget, but God doesn't. And Abraham responded to the grace of God. He responded to the promise of God. He responded to the graciousness of God by building an altar in Shechem. A few years later, his grandson Jacob came to Shechem 
because it was such a holy site. And he remembered that his grandfather Abraham was promised right there. And he exalted his family, his household, to get rid of all the idols out of their possessions and to worship Jehovah alone. And there, too, he placed an altar at Shechem. So, 600 years after Abraham, Joshua comes into the same place, this Shechem, and he said, I am going to build an altar for the faithfulness of God, for the graciousness of God, the God who never forgets His promises, the God who always keeps His word no matter what. And there he challenges the people to respond to the blessing of God. You see, he does two things here. He reviews the blessings of God, and then he challenges them to respond to the blessing of God. I'm sure that each one of us have our Shechem's. Shechem's may not be in your life, might not be a place, but it's a time. Whether it's a place or a time, you have your Shechem's, and I have mine. These are the places and the times where God met with us in a very special way. There are the places and the times when God blessed us in a unique way. Those are the places and the times where God provided all of our needs. Those are the places and the times where God fulfilled His promises to you. Those are the places and the times where God answered your prayers in abundance. Those are the places and the times where He intervened on your behalf. Those are the places and the times where God showed Himself to be faithful despite of our unfaithfulness. These are the shechems in our lives, are the places and the times where instead of condemning us, and we know we deserve condemnation, He gives us more grace. That's the Shechem in our life. And I want to exhort you today, go back to your Shechem. Make a landmark for every one of us needs to go back, not just occasionally, but often to our Shechems. There in Shechem, God reminded Israel over and over and over again of how He took them out of the mud pits of Egypt in the slavery, where they're up to eyeballs in mud making bricks, and the whips of the Egyptian slave masters were on their backs. And there He reminded them of taking them into the wilderness. But there He did not forsake them, supernaturally provided the manna from heaven. And then at night… He gave them the pillar of fire, and by daytime, He gave them the cloud. And then He led them into victory against the Amalekites and and all the other ites and the mosquito bites that were trying to kill them. And there, He took them from the wilderness into the promised land. He literally, they crossed the river of impossibilities. And there, He destroyed the imperitable walls of Jericho. And there, He kept on blessing them, and He kept on taking them from victory to victory to victory. Seventeen times, count them, in the book of Joshua chapter 24, seventeen times, God said, I, 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 He said, I, took you, I gave you, I sent you, I brought you, I delivered you. And God can say the same thing to you and to me. You know that surgery that you came through? God 
was there, and He brought you through it. You know that financial blessing that you have received? God gave you that. You know that tight spot in life that threatened to undo you? God is the one who got you out of that. You know those children that God has given you? These children are not ours. They are from God. They're God's gift to us. Well, they will become teenagers, and then you're going to question God's gift. But, but enjoy them for now. <laughs> but, but things will change. You'll turn around and become your best friends. You see, after reviewing God's blessings, Joshua was now exhorting them to respond. Reviewing the blessing is not enough. You have to respond to the blessings. He is telling them of their responsibility in the light of these blessings. Listen to me very carefully, please. God blessed you for a purpose. God blessed you for a reason. And you must never rest until you find that purpose and that reason and that you respond to it in accordance to the way God guides you. Listen to me, please. Long time ago, and the older I get, the more I am convinced that God is not looking for abilities. He is looking for availabilities. And that's all He's looking for you to do, to make yourself available to Him. How you respond to the grace of God, how do you respond to the blessings of God, it's very important to God. It is not enough for you to review your blessings. It is important to respond to your blessings. It is not enough to say, well, here are all these blessings that God has given me. Thank you, Lord. That is not enough. You must remind yourself of the absolute necessity of responding to these blessings. You must remind yourself of your responsibility toward what God has given you. And God's blessings were given to you so that you might be a witness for Christ. They were given to you so you might be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. God blessed you so that you may reconcile men and women, boys and girls, to Christ. You see, when Jesus responded to the call of the Father upon His life, He did something. He had the supernatural power. He could have yelled from heaven, believe in me. He could have appeared with power and terrifies us, but He didn't. He left the glories of heaven, became man. And then Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15 that when the shepherd looked around and he found one out of the 99 sheep was missing, he did something. He didn't sit on his blessed assurance and said, oh, the sheep will be back. But he got up and he was searching for that sheep until he found the sheep and put it on his shoulders. When the woman lost the coin, the Bible said in Luke 15 that she did not sit there and said, oh, it will turn up. No, but she went on a search party until she found that coin, and then she rejoiced. And Joshua said to the Israelites, now you need to review your blessings, but you also need to respond to God for these blessings. In fact, if you read Joshua 24, it is a magnificent, it's a long chapter, but it is a great chapter. And you're going to notice the following, that as Joshua began to remind people of the blessings, he got some of the response that I get from you here. Tepid response. Kind of, huh? You want me to do what? 
Yeah, 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 Joshua, yeah, we heard you. Yeah, yeah, we'll do something. Okay, Joshua, we'll see how can we respond to the blessings of God. Let me see what I can do for you. You can tell Joshua was exasperated at this insipid response. He really is. I mean, he was getting exasperated at this lukewarm response. So in verse 15, he goes down. It's the first exasperation. He said, choose this day whom you shall worship. If you're going to worship idols, go and follow the idols. I mean, those are the words of an exasperated man. And then he says, but as for me and my household, we're going to worship the Lord alone. You can sense the exasperation. As if to say, don't just worship Jehovah half-hearted. Don't serve him out of feeling of obligation. Don't think you can serve him just to bribe him to get him on your good side. Don't just go through the motions while your heart is focused on materialism and all the junk of this world. Don't do that. Joshua said, as far as I am concerned, as far as my family is concerned, we are giving ourselves and our all to the one who did all this for us. Regardless of what the polls said, regardless of what others are going to do, regardless of who says what, regardless of what the leading economic indicator may say, regardless of what the pressures that are put upon us, regardless of what others might condemn us or praise us, regardless of what others will do to me, I commit my all to Jehovah. And then Joshua, he can tell that he's still... He's still getting that kind of vacant stares, you know. I mean, he still feels that they're saying, yeah, 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 with their mouths, but they're saying no with their eyes. Joshua felt that they were just giving him those looks, even though they might be nodding. They are still saying, yeah, 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 Joshua. Yeah, we know God did all this. God blessed us. Yes, yes, we know that. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can. We may go to church when we can if we're not out of town. Or well, we might put a couple of bucks in the, in the bucket when it comes by. But you know what? We might be kind to somebody one day. I'll try to do our best, Joshua. And so he gets so frustrated. He goes to verse 23. <laughs> he said, okay, if you really mean what you're saying to me, Then put away the foreign gods which you are keeping in your homes, the idols that you're worshiping. You see, I might not know your idols. You might not know my idols, but God knows both of our idols. Stop saying, yeah, yeah, someday. Yeah, yeah, one day. Stop doing this. Make commitment now. Make a sacrifice now. Prove your allegiance to Christ Now, take a stand now. Come to a decision now. Make your faith tangible now. Let your walk match your talk now. Not tomorrow. Lest tomorrow you may not be around. You see, we take our very breath for granted. And yet, there are some people did not wake up this morning. God spared you. You better find out why. You better find out why. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was praying, and I was really broken before God, and I thought about covenants. And you know, covenants or contracts 
are entered into normally between two equals. That's a normal two business people. Uh, somebody's going to bring in something to the table. Our marriage covenants, our marriage between husband and wife, equals. Covenants always between equals. Whether somebody's bringing ec- sweat equity or financial equity, whatever it is, somebody is bringing something to the table. And as I began to think, as covenants been made with two equals, and I thought about how magnificent God is, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, that He is the superior, He is the holy, He is the righteous, He is the rich God, and yet He chooses to enter into a covenant with poor creatures. Not two equals. That is why the Christian faith is unique in all of history. What a privilege. The great God of the universe, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, says, I want to enter into a covenant with you. Lord, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy. He said, I know that. (laughs) But I want to enter into a covenant with you. Some of you have never entered into a covenant and received the salvation that only Jesus Christ can give you, the eternal life that only Jesus Christ can give you, you can enter into this covenant today and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I've been living without you. Now, save me, now and eternally. But let me speak for a moment for those who have entered into a covenant with God, those who have known the Lord Jesus Christ For some time, you are saying, God, (laughs) you saved me eternally. Now I want to help see somebody else saved. God, you blessed me. Now I want to be a blessing to others. God, you provided for me. Now I want to provide so that others in Mongolia and in the Middle East and in North Africa and throughout the United States and in this city and in this place may come to know Jesus. Listen to me as I conclude. If there is one thing that honors the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God is your willingness to trust Him is your willingness to trust Him. Say, God, I know you provided for me in the past, but I know you're going to provide for me in the future. Don't allow fear to come into the situation. Trust in His grace. Trust in His provision. Trust in His mercies. Trust in His promises. Father, I know you for 40 years to be the covenant-making covenant-keeping God. Lord, I've experienced you too many times. In the dark days and the not-so-dark days, you were there. You promised that you never leave nor forsake those who belong to you. And so, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon us as a body at this very moment. Speak to our hearts so that we mentally may review all of your blessings, but also that we may respond to these blessings. Father, remind us that everything comes from you. The very breath that we draw comes from you. And Lord, we thank you for all the blessings. There are no way to praise you 
for your goodness and your grace to us, to us as a country, and to us as your children, the believers in this country. Thank you for the freedom of worship. We don't have to hide in secret as they do in many other countries of the world. Lord, we praise you for all your past goodness, your past grace, your past mercy. Oh, but God, I praise you for your future blessings, for your future grace and mercy. Not to presume on it, Lord, but because of your faithfulness, Lord. You kept your promise. 600 years later, you fulfilled it. And Lord, we know you're going to fulfill all of your promises to your people. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.